The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and can be found on page 1541 in your Pew Bible. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went out once, went at once, and put his money to work, and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought brought the other five and said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? From Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, for we know that nothing good comes from any other source. When we speak of someone's special abilities or aptitudes, we often say that they have talent, right? And that particular meaning of the word talent comes from the parable in today's gospel. Now, from the New International Version, the NIV, they chose bags of gold. But in other translations, it is the word talent. The word talent began as a unit of weight, like the word pound. Although we really don't know, nobody knows for sure how much a talent exactly weighed. The estimates are between 75 pounds and 100 pounds take or leave 12 or more pounds, okay? So it's a guesstimate. But it was heavy, okay? It was a lot. And when people began using precious metals as currency, the weight of these metals became an important measure of their value. So the British, they had a pound of sterling silver, which became the pound sterling, or as we hear more simply, the British pound. In the first century Middle East, people measured their precious metals in talents. Since the talent is in the 100-pound range of weight, a talent of silver was a significant amount I mean, that's a lot of cash. And a talent of gold, well, that was wealth beyond most people's imaginations. Think about that. Five talents, two talents, one talent. 75 pounds each of gold. Now, in the parable of today's gospel, Jesus used the currency of talents to represent the gifts and the abilities that God pours out on his church. It is the representation that gives us the modern-day meaning of the word talent. And today's gospel continues with Jesus' teaching on the Tuesday of Holy Week. On that day, he taught in the temple until late afternoon or early evening, And then he continued to teach his disciples as they retired to their campsite on the Mount of Olives. 
He had just finished telling the parable of the wise and foolish virgins that we heard last week in the gospel and the sermon. And so we wait. Do you remember? And so we wait. And at the end of that parable, he said, as recorded in Matthew 25, 13, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And Jesus told the parable of the talents in order to explain what he meant when he told his disciples to watch for his return. What are you supposed to do during the wait? And so we wait. He didn't want the church to climb up on a hill and look out at the sky and just watch. No, the watchfulness of the church is to be active. And Jesus asked his disciples to imagine a fairly wealthy man as he prepared for a long trip. Now, as this man prepared to leave, he designated various tasks to his staff of servants. He wanted them to care for his things while he was gone. And Jesus specifically described the tasks given to three of these servants. What were they? Well, the man gave five talents to the first of these three. He gave two talents to the second, and he gave one talent to the last. And then he left. Now, the first two servants faithfully invested the talents and their master's money doubled. And the third servant hid the talent in the ground and waited for the master to return. And we know that when the master returned, he called forth his servants to report on their activities while he was gone. The two faithful servants received a great reward while the unfaithful servant received a severe penalty. We are actually living, we are living out this parable today. The wealthy man who went on a trip represents Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus left when he ascended into heaven and he has not returned yet. Before Jesus left, he distributed his wealth to the disciples. We have his teachings that are contained in the Bible. We have his sacraments of baptism and of the Lord's Supper. And we also have the Holy Spirit for which Jesus said in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, 
he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In addition to these wonderful riches that he gives the whole church, he also provides for us other riches. People with talent. For example, pastors, teachers, elders, singers, organists when we have one here, ushers, cooks, knitters, financial whizzes, council members, and many, many other people, talented people, who come together and care for the people and the things of the church. Jesus said that this man gave to each of his servants according to his ability. He gave to each one according to his ability. Five talents were exactly right. The exactly right amount to give to the first man who received the five talents. Two talents. <coughs> Excuse me. Two talents were exactly the right amount for the man that received two talents. And one talent was exactly the right amount to give to the one who received one talent. And so it is with us. Each and every one of us, Jesus gives each of us the gift that is just right for us. He gives all of us faith, forgiveness, and everlasting life. In addition, he gives each of us individual skills that help us care for one another. Some of us can change a light bulb in a very high ceiling. Some of us can cook. Some of us are musicians. Some of us know how to give comfort with a hug and the right words. Some of us have a special talent for making people feel at home in a strange situation or a new situation. Each of us has one or more special talents that the Lord has chosen just for us. He wants us to use them to care for his people, his church. Now in the parable, Two of the servants were faithful. They were faithful with their master's money, and it doubled. Now, here is one place that we sometimes get confused in this parable. We hear that the faithful servants doubled their master's investment, right? then we're tempted to believe that we are responsible for the return that we 
produce on God's investment in us. Stay with me. We often forget that there is a great difference, a huge difference between an earthly master and our heavenly master. You see, an earthly master can't affect the outcome of his servant's faithfulness. We see this in the recent plunge and then climbing up and then plunge and then I don't know what's going on in our stock markets right now. And the craziness of our current economy teach us all too well that our earthly master is not able to affect our investments. They're subject to the world. If we had to rely on our own wisdom and risk our own resources, we would, and sometimes do, lose everything. Our Heavenly Father promises the opposite. This is the good part. He has the will and the power to affect the outcome of his investments in our hands. Our return in spiritual in the spiritual world depends on God. The risk is his. And the gain will be according to his infinite knowledge and perfect wisdom. Now here Here's a good illustration for that. I need to do that now. A good illustration for this is where God is in control of the outcome would be in the feeding of the 5,000. We all remember that, a little bit of it anyway. You know, Jesus blessed a few dinner rolls and a couple of sardines, and then he gave them to the disciples. And these few resources multiplied in the disciples' hands until 5,000 men and the women and the children that were with them were satisfied. Not just had a snack, satisfied. And we read further, there were leftovers. Do you suppose that a single disciple thought that he was responsible for multiplying that food while it was in his hands? No. Nevertheless, we often forget that God is responsible for the return on his investment in us. This is one reason that we often act like the unfaithful servant. It wasn't that he abused his master's money. He didn't. He didn't do abusive things. An example would be like he didn't go gambling. He didn't go out catting around or getting drunk or gluttony. There wasn't anything like that with the money. It wasn't what he did with the money that got him into trouble. It's what he didn't do. He was afraid 
that if he invested the master's money, he would lose it. And so we too can be afraid. We forget that the risk, the risk belongs to God, not to us. In our fear, we can become like the third servant, that we are satisfied to perhaps be a, a pew potato, that we are satisfied just to show up for an hour, or if the pastor goes longer, every week, and then go home thinking like we've done our duty. And meanwhile, the God-given skills that have been given to each one of us, they may become rusty. They may become dusty through disuse and unuse. But when we remember only the law, we imitate the third servant. We are hypocrites in that way. We may think we know Jesus, but our ideas are incomplete. We only see the impossible. The impossible standard of his words from the uh, Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says this, You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And what else can we do but join that unfaithful servant and say, Wow, Master, I knew you were a hard guy, but even I know I'm not perfect like the Father in heaven is perfect. So I was afraid, and I did nothing. And in our fear, in our unbelief, our God-given talents grow stale through disuse. And our relationship with God remains broken. And if we remain in unbelief, those who do not accept his gift, well, hell remains the future home for those. When God blesses us with the gospel, we become like those two faithful servants. We approach our Lord with confidence instead of fear. While we know the law, we look beyond it to the gospel. We know that we can't rely on ourselves but we can rely on the one who went to the cross. The Holy Spirit has planted faith in our hearts so that we have a new relationship of love and trust in our Savior. We see, we see that he is not a hard man. On the contrary, he, Jesus, is the first faithful servant, the one who empowers all those who are faithful. He is the one who set aside his glory and lived on this earth under the authority of the law. And he kept it perfectly. 
And in spite of his perfection, he remained faithful to the Father's plan. Faithful to endure the full wrath, the wrath of God against our sins put upon him and his body as he hung on the cross. It was his faithfulness unto death that conquered death. It was his resurrection that proclaimed his victory. And it is in his faithfulness that he created a new path through death. That is to say, a path that leads to eternal life for you and for me. So who then are the faithful servants? Well, the first faithful servant is Jesus Christ himself, who was faithful even unto death on a cross. By his work on the cross, he makes us, he makes us, you, his faithful servants. And he entrusts you the gifts to be used. And because he was faithful, we no longer imitate the third and unfaithful servant. Instead, we are confident as we come forward for his judgment. We are confident because we know that he loves us and has already provided everything that we need for our salvation. Those of us who trust him will appear before Jesus on that day of judgment. And we will join all of those who have heard these words, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then we will hear Enter into the joy of your master. In the name of Jesus, amen.